Grab your full-page outline. Let's get into today's study. Over the last six weeks, we have been talking about this idea of being blessed, how God wants to bless us, and it has always been his intent to bless us. But what's interesting is Jesus takes us one step further when he's quoted in Acts 20 as saying this, and you may have heard this phrase before, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Come on, say it with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you ever heard that before? It's, yeah, okay. Now, this is what I want you to do. On your outline, I want you to circle two words. They're highlighted on the screen. I want you to circle the words more blessed. I, I just want you to think about that for a moment. Okay, we've been talking about being blessed for six weeks. And now Jesus is saying there's a way that you can be more blessed. Right, Bill, you're right. Think about that. More blessed. When I read that early on this year as I was putting some ideas for this series together, I began to think about this idea of being more blessed. Jesus is saying that there is a way for me and you to be more blessed. Isn't that awesome? I'll try that again. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> think about that. That we could be more blessed. Jesus tells us, get this on your outline, generosity is the key to experiencing more blessing. Generosity is the key to experiencing more blessing. If you haven't noticed, today we have just like fully packed so many opportunities for you to be more blessed by giving. I mean, care boxes, care bags, getting involved in our missions and and supporting our outreach core, all of these ways and others, generosity is the key to experiencing more blessing. So if you want to be blessed more, then you need to learn how to give away. That's what Jesus is saying. How are you doing at that? How are we as a culture doing at that whole giving away part? It's a struggle, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to some Jesus followers in the city of Corinth. And he's talking to them about giving in an offering to help other Jesus followers who are struggling. The, the, the church in the city of Corinth made a generous pledge. And when Paul was writing this, it had been already a year since they had originally made the pledge, initially made the pledge to give in this offering. And now Paul is writing to them because they hadn't made good on their promise yet. And so basically Paul is wanting them to put their money where their mouth is. And so he writes to them, he says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, I really don't need to write to you about giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. (laughs) The Jesus followers in and around Jerusalem were desperate. They were struggling. They had little money, little food, a great deal of persecution going on in Jerusalem, a lot of fear. And so Paul took up their case, and he traveled to churches that he had planted all over the region, the Mediterranean region, and he began asking churches to give and an offering to help those that were in Jerusalem. So Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to be generous. And so he writes in verse 6, remember this, Paul says, A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So what Paul is using is what's called an axiom, and it's a real common axiom. You probably know this axiom. What you plant, you will harvest. What you sow, you will 
reap. Yeah, we kind of know it. And what is an axiom? An axiom is a self-evident truth that doesn't need verification because it's so obvious. I mean, it, and this one is really, everyone knows, you put a few seeds in the ground and you're going to get a small harvest. But you put lots of seeds in the ground and you are going to, you can expect to get a larger harvest. And Paul basically is saying that to us, that what you harvest is proportional to what you plant. Wow. So now he ties this together. He's just using this as an illustration. So now he ties this together with the idea of giving financially. And in verse 7, Paul writes, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. So basically, Paul is saying, you're going to harvest as much as you plant. You're going to get as much as you give. And then he says, and it's up to you how much you give. Wow, big truth here. This could affect our lives. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Giving is an individual decision that you make, that I make. It's a choice we make. It's up to us. Only you can decide how much you're going to plant. But remember, remember the principle, remember the axiom. Plant a little, give a little, get a little. Plant a lot, give a lot. God says, Jesus says, get a lot. So the amount that you decide to give shows how much you trust God. Wait, let me say that one again because that's a really big bomb that I just dropped on us. The amount you decide to give shows how much you trust God. So if you're giving zero... Do the math. Maybe you're someone who doesn't give. Maybe this is all new to you. If you're the first time visitor today, this is, yeah, this is, we're talking about money. And, I'm, and I apologize for that if you're a first time visitor today. Um, but, but this is so important for us to understand as followers of Jesus that God wants to do something very unique and very special in our lives, especially in the area of finances. And all of us know that finances is a topic, is an area, a subject in our lives that really can rule our lives if we're not careful. And, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, the, the, the two things that, that um, couples divorce on the most are money and sex. They argue about that more than anything else. And money is number one. They argue about money more than they argue about sex. Isn't that interesting? That money has this hold in our lives. Finances really has a grip on who we are. And God knows that. And he knows that in order for us to trust him with everything, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he has to affect, he has to influence the area of finances in our lives. So maybe you're someone who doesn't give. If so, I believe that you are completely missing out on what God has for you. God wants to do something in your life. In fact, sadly, a lack of generosity deprives many people from God's blessing. I mean, I, I think if we really understand that, if we really understood the fact that my lack of generosity, my lack of giving um, holds back the blessing of God in my life, I don't know about you, but I would be in a hurry to give. Because I need more of God's blessing in my life. I think we all do. 
Paul continues in verse 7, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that first off, my mind goes to the cheerfully part, and I kind of get, you know, sucked into this idea that I've got to do it cheerfully, you know, kind of, I, I don't know how you are, but um, sometimes it, it, faith is tough. Can you say that with me? Faith is tough. It's hard sometimes to trust. Even though I believe in God, like we've sang, even though I, I put my life in his hands, and all these things that we have talked about and sung about, sometimes it's tough to trust and to have faith. Faith is not easy. And so um, sometimes giving is not always cheerfully. Can I just be honest with you? Is that all right? Sometimes giving is a sacrifice. Sometimes responding to the way that God wants me to respond, that, that is a step, man. That is, that is a risk. It's like, you know, jumping off the edge. Hmm. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. What caught my attention this week on this? I didn't even have this in my notes. Just as of Wednesday, this caught me. Look at this with me. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Wait, wait, wait. For, for God loves. Wait, so, so God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Actually, we could cross out that cheerfully word. Would you just cross that out on your outline? Just cross it out, all right? So, so let's read it together. For God loves a person who... Wait, wait. So God loves a person who gives. Why would Paul put it that way? What's he, what's he talking about? I want you to circle the word loves. This is a real interesting word. It comes from a Greek word that's translated for the strongest term of love used in the biblical writings. It's where we get the idea of agape love, abakao. And it's, it refers to this strong, intense kind of love. You can almost say, hang on, this might rub you a little bit wrong here and a little bit different, but you can almost say that God loves those who give more. Wait, are you saying that God has favorites? Yes. You know why? I don't have this on my notes, but you know why? It's just like how we operate as parents. When you have a child that begins to do something that is close to your heart as a parent, doesn't that just warm your heart? When, when you see a child sharing a toilet, say, and, and you are you've been trying to instruct them on how to do that and they begin to do it on their own or maybe you've been trying to teach them how to clean their room and they, they do it on their own. Maybe, you know, those are just trivial things but to you as a parent, it's like they're doing it and then all of a sudden you see your child do something in the way that you would do it. Doesn't that just warm your heart? I've had that experience with my kids. My kids are, are growing up, and as they become adults, I see them um, doing things. And i got to be honest, they, 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 they may not even know it, and there are three of them are in the room here, but they may not even know 
that they're doing things that my wife and I have been praying about, praying for them, and trying to teach them and be an example and a role model for them and try to lead them in that way. And then all of a sudden, they do it, and sometimes they think they've done it on their own or it's their idea, and it's like, sure it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. It's so heartwarming as a parent to see your child do something in the way that you would do it. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. So God is a giver. Now you see where I'm going with this. So when he looks at you and me, and if we are operating with generosity and we become givers, don't you think that warms the heart of God? Don't you think he's, he's thinking they're being exactly, Paul writes in Ephesians 5.1, to be imitators of God, to be like God. That's our way to be like God, is to become generous people, to become givers. So God loves people who give. We know God loves the world. We know God loves anyone who follows him through his son Jesus, but but Paul says that God has a special love for those who are generous. Get this down. When I give, I will experience exclusive love from God. Exclusive love from God. God has a especially strong love for those who are generous. Paul keeps, with, keeps going with the thought, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and God will generously provide all you need. You see how that works. You must decide how much you're going to give. And when you give, then God will give you generously all that you need. So get this down. When I give, I will experience overflowing generosity from God. So it's not just exclusive love. It's overflowing generosity. There's two great things that we get from God when we become givers generously. The generous giver doesn't ever have to fear not having enough. The, the, the more you give, the more God will give you. Somebody said to me last week, I think it was Bill that said to me last week, you know, this phrase, you can't outgive God. It's true. It's really true. God will always outgive you. Second Corinthians verse 8 says, Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Did you read that just like I read that this week? And look at that again. You will have everything you need. Wow. That is a promise, isn't it? And plenty left over to share. So you see this, this whole idea that God is wanting to give to us so that we can continue to be givers, so that we can be generous. We, it's so that God gives to us and then through us to others. It's amazing. God doesn't want to bless you so you can consume it and hoard it and accumulate it like the world says. God wants to bless me so I can be generous. Same thing with you. Get that on your outline. God wants to bless me so I can be generous. Say it with me. God wants to bless me so I can be generous. Not to keep it. Not to hoard it. Not to spend it on you. He wants you to be generous. You will be given all you need so you can be 
generous. Paul continues, verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Don't you see the cycle there? He's saying that I not only give the farmer something to plant, but I also give the farmer something to live on. So Paul is using this agricultural imagery. And then he says, in the same way, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. There is a cycle here that that Paul is talking about. When you give, you step into a constant flow of resources. When you give, you set in motion a cycle of God's blessing in your life. You give and God gives you more so that now you have more to give. Catch that? You give so that then God gives you more so that you have more to give. And look what Paul says in verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Awesome. God will enrich you for a reason. God will bless you for a reason so that you can be generous. Circle the three words in every way. We're not just talking about finances. Paul is saying in every way. If if we limit this to only finances, do you realize if we limit this blessing of God to only finances, you are underestimating what God can do. We're getting ready to go into a brand new series in a couple of weeks for Christmas called Behold. And the thing that has been in my heart and my mind on this series is to to realize that Jesus isn't just the baby in the manger. That Jesus isn't just the, the one that is on the cross. The Bible says that currently now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority and all power. He is king of the world. And so to underestimate his power and say, oh, well, it just has to do with finances. No, God's blessing affects every area. It involves finances, but it affects every area of your life. Friends, God can do, Paul says, much, much more than anything we can ask or imagine. Obviously, Paul's talking about finances, but enriched in every way could include God's blessing in your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, your coworkers, your friends. It could include physical blessing of health. Um, it, it could include an emotional blessing of peace and wholeness in your life. God wants to bless you and bless me in so many ways. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. So here's what I've learned. Can I just give you one thought to take today? The more I give, write that on your outline, the more I give, the more God gives me. The more I give, the more God gives me. Come on, say it with me. The more I give, the more God gives me. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, the more you give, the more God will give you. And it's, it's true. That's what Paul is saying. The more you give, the more you start living a life of generosity and you're following what God is is leading you to do. The more you give, the more God will give me. When God knows that you have have it in your heart to give generously, he will give back to you multiplied so that you can keep on giving. 
Generously giving to support God's work through a local church. Generously giving to support God's work through missionaries and missions organizations. Giving to the poor. Giving to the needy around you and around the world. Giving generously. Giving generously. When you give generously to God's purposes, he pours it right back to you because he knows what you're going to do with it. He knows that you're just going to continue to give and give and give. The more I give, the more God gives me. Say it with me. The more I give the more God gives me. But sometimes giving generously seems impossible, right? I mean, you got monthly bills to pay. You got a mortgage or a rent to pay. You, you have car payment. You got school bills. You got family expenses. You got car expenses. The fridge is empty. Your kids need things. Christmas is coming. Maybe you can give when you get a raise. Maybe you can give when you get that promotion. Maybe you can give next year when you get your tax return. Maybe you can give, you know, when you win the lottery. I don't know. You want to give, but it just feels like it's so financially impossible to give. I think too many of us have a mindset of what I call a bag mindset. Would you grab that white bag that you have? We have a bag mindset. Just open it up, would you? We have this mindset that we have stuff that is ours, that we earn, that we put into our bag, that we hold on to, and uh, you only get one, sorry, Bill, and because um, you haven't earned much, all right, so okay, you get a few there, and, and all right, we'll just come back here, Sarah, you're going to get a few, we'll, we'll load up Sarah, because, you know, she's got kids, and you know, all that, right? All right? All right, let's go to this side, right? Jim is looking at his bag. His bag is empty over here. Let me, let me give you some, Jim. All right? All right. How about Myra? Myra needs a few, right? Okay. So we have this bag. And so we have a few people that have something in their bag, right? Right. We have a few people that have something in their bag, right? Right. Okay. So here's the deal. The bag is all about us. And we have a tendency to focus on getting more and more in our bag. And once we get it in our bag, then we have a tendency to do this, right? And, and this, is, this is my bag. It's not your bag, Brooklyn. It's not your bag. This is my bag. Even though I don't really have anything in my bag, but this is my bag. Okay? You might have more than I do in your bag, but this is my bag. This is not your bag. And we hold on to these bags, and we're so focused on getting more in our bags. We realize that, you know, we have to pay our bills, and we have to pay our mortgage, and we have to pay our expenses and all that out of these bags. And so we're trying to earn more and get more so that we can put it in our bag. The problem is with our bags is they have holes in them. Have you noticed that? And so, I can't tear this bag. So, when you put more and more in the bag, what happens? It just falls right out, all right? It just starts, you know, we'll make it come out here, all right? It just starts coming out. And you know what happens? That's what happens in our life, in our world. Because the more we put in our bag and we're holding onto that bag and we're trying to focus on that bag and fill that bag, it seems like every time you get some in your bag, have you noticed that something happens? The car has an issue. Anybody ever have car issues before? Out of the blue. I mean, do you ever plan on car issues? This year, I think I'm going to have an issue with my car. No. It, it, you, you don't do that. It just happens. Or something happens with your house. Or something happens with your job. Maybe it's a little bit more intense. 
Maybe, maybe something happens with your kids or your health. Maybe you have to make a trip somewhere because someone else's health has been affected. I've been down that road before. And so you keep focusing on putting more in your bag, and every time you focus on it, it just keeps leaving the bag, and pretty soon you've got to be focused on it again. And here you are in this cycle of always trying to fill your bag, right? It's real important for us to see this in our lives. This is how we, how we operate. You've got this little bag. We fill it up with monthly income, but every month there seems to be holes. And the problem is that all too often we trust what's in our bag and we don't trust God. It's, it's crazy to me how that we can believe that God would save us from our sins, forgive us of our sins, and provide for us life in eternity with him. But you're not going to let him be in control of your bag. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we, we give up our marriages to God. We dedicate our babies to God. You know, we do our marriage vows in front of God and all these people. We give all this over to God. But the one thing that we always seem to hang on to is this bag of finances. It's because we don't trust him. We trust the bag. I've always found it ironic. What's on our bills? U.S. currency. In God we trust. Isn't that ironic? Because it's not true. So we focused on these, these bags. And so because we look at what's in the bag, instead of trusting a God that can supply what we need, like Paul talks about, we don't tithe. We don't give 10% to God like we talked about last week. We, because we're more concerned about what's in the bag than obeying and trusting God. Instead of putting God first, we're focused on what's in the bag. We don't support the, the, the work of you know, getting the message of Jesus out globally because we have more focus on what's inside our bag than what God is doing all over the world. We're more focused on that so we don't give to help the poor and people around us because we're more focused on keeping our bag full in the amount that we need because there's holes in our bag and it just keeps coming in and going out, coming in and going out. Giving generously will challenge you to trust God. It will test to see how much you believe in what God says. But there are some people that have learned a basket mindset. So we have many of us that have a bag mindset. Some of us have a basket mindset. And so I'm going to ask Bill, hold on, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask if you would be willing to trade me. You can have the basket, but let's do it this way. You can give that to someone, and then I'll give you the basket. Not your wife. Right behind you. All right. You're giving your bag away. Okay, so, so I'm going to give the basket. And when you begin to have a basket mentality instead of a bag mentality, this is what God does for you. Because in Luke chapter 6, it says that God, when we give, he will what? 
Luke chapter 6. Give and you will receive. Go ahead, give it to us. Come on. Give and you will receive. Keep going. Your gift will return to you, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into Bill's lap. Isn't that awesome? Lunch is on you. That's right. That's all yours, Bill. Now, you know what's funny? As we read that passage, as Bill holds all that candy, right? And we don't get it like the people got it the day that Jesus said it. The people that were listening in the audience knew exactly what he was talking about. This is a very common thing in the ancient world. According to Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 24, in obedience to God, farmers wouldn't harvest all the way to the corners of their land. Farmers wouldn't harvest all of their crops, and they wouldn't pick up anything that dropped on the ground for a specific purpose. It was left there for the poor and needy. That was a law that was established in the nation of Israel. So these people, um, the harvesters, the workers, would leave this, would leave um, unharvested areas, would leave stuff on the ground. So in every field at harvest, you would see two kinds of people gathering the harvest. You would see the workers, the day laborers, who were paid to work the land for the landowner. And they would fill their baskets, but because they had to carry their baskets all the way to the other side of the field, and because they were paid per basket, not by weight, what do you think they would do as workers? They would only fill it as, as full as they wanted so that they could carry it easily. So at most, you might fill the basket three quarters, halfway, whatever. So you can carry it across the field. They were not motivated to get as much as they could. But there were other people who were desperate in the fields, the poor and needy. And because the landowner's kindness and his compassion, they were told that you are welcome to bring your basket and fill them up with whatever is left over or on the ground. And how do you think they would fill their baskets? Because they had one shot at this. They... They would put, this is the only food they're going to get for a while. They realize this is, this is going to have to last for them and their family. They would fill their baskets to overflowing. They, they would put so much into their basket and they would press it down. I don't know if you ever did this as a kid. I remember being, we're really close to trick-or-treating here. I remember being, um, going on our block and this lady said to us, you, she would hand us this cup. She had these like the red plastic cups. She would hand us a cup. We loved going to her house. She would hand us a cup. And then she had this huge tub of candy. And she would say, you can get a full cup's worth. As much as you can get into your cup. And when I heard that, I'm thinking, as much as I can. All right. So what do you think I would do? 
pushing it down, shaking it so that there's more space and it can fall to the bottom. That's what he's talking about, shaking together, running over, all that. That's what these people would do in the field. They would press it down. They would shake their basket, get all the air out so that they could pour more. They would get all they can in their basket. And then probably as they're walking home, carrying this overfilled basket, guess what? It would spill out all over the ground because they had so much in their basket. Jesus says, this is the kind of God we have. The God of overflow. Not just blessing. He's not just the God of blessing. He's the God of overflow. God will bless you with more. More than your basket can handle. Friends, God wants to bless you with more than, than, than I can take in. What would it look like in your life if this was true? I mean, imagine becoming someone so generous that you would give away and God would keep giving to you. God would keep blessing you. You would become a person that is so focused on giving rather than getting that you would experience more from God than you've ever experienced before. You say, well, you know, come on. I'd be glad to give in this way if God would just meet my needs. If God, if you just start meeting my needs, then I'll be happy to be that kind of giver. But guess what? Jesus didn't say it that way. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 6. He says, give. He's talking to you and me. It's an imperative. He's saying, you give first. You go first. And you will receive. And then he says, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I'll tell you something that I almost always do. When someone comes, if if they're involved in our church, our ministry, someone comes to me and says, we're not making ends meet. We don't have enough. Financially, we're not making it. Chances are, one of my first questions, if not my first question, will be, are you giving to God? Now, why would I ask that question? That just seems so insensitive, doesn't it? They're already struggling financially. It's like, you know, you're a pastor, you're a church, you're always, church is always after my money. That's, you know, that's the way it comes across, but that's not it at all. The reason I'm asking this question is because I know this principle. That if I give first, he doesn't say the amount. If I give first, God will give. The more I give, the more God gives me. Give and you will receive. The choice is yours. You have to decide in your heart. You can't pass this responsibility off to someone else. It's a choice that you make. No one ever becomes a generous person by accident. Don't ever think that if you get more, then you will be able to be a generous person. It doesn't work that way. You become generous by choice. No matter your circumstances, by choice. It's not something you slide into. It's a choice you make. Think about it. Just like farming, the seed doesn't plant itself. 
right? We do. We choose to start the process. So get this down. My giving determines how much blessing God will pour into my life. My giving determines how much blessing God will pour into my life. The question I ended with last week was how much of God's blessing do you want? How much of God's blessing do you want in your life? For some of us today, God wants to bless you. You need to choose to give. I'm not saying that we need your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants to bless you. God wants you to see what he can do in your life. You need to choose to give. If you've never given before, you need to choose to give. Last week I had someone ask me, how do I give if I want to give? And they were asking specifically here at Pathway Church. And, and they had never accessed the giving uh, boxes on the sides. And so that's why I included right there. And I'm not, trying, I'm not getting, trying to get you to give reluctantly or under pressure like Paul says. I'm not trying to do that at all. I just wanted to explain this envelope to you. This is what we call a giving envelope. And so it's really simple. You have an opportunity that you can give your tithe or you can give any kind of offerings uh, above and beyond that. You can designate where you want to give. And all of the designated money goes only to those areas. A tithe is a general fund that helps us run things here. And so uh, if you have more questions on this, please talk to me. But if you have never considered giving, if you've never given before, can I tell you, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. I really believe that. For some of us today, you know what God's asking? We've, we've, we've been giving for a while. My, my family, my wife and I, we've been giving for a while. You know what God is saying to us today? How much of God's blessing do you want? Is it, is it time for me, for us, my family, to give more? I mean, we're... I don't know about you, but we're, just, we're, we're learning that we need more. Just as, as, as the economy changes and as things go up in price, and it's like, you know, it just, we're, we're, we have more needs. Anybody else like me in that, or am I, am I the only one? Okay, we, we have more needs. And so God is saying to me, this is just to me, not to you, but I'm just telling you, okay? He's saying, you got more needs. Maybe you should give more. Trust me. Maybe I should give more so that he can bless me more. And that's only a choice that you can make. That's only a decision that you can come to on your own. But I know what God's saying to us. So either way, the more I give, the more God gives to me. Say that with me. The more I give, the more God gives to me. We've got to get that. We've got to hear that today. Would you bow your heads with me?